We must accept finite disappointment, but we must never lose infinite hope. Martin Luther King Jr. Man's time here is finite, but the influence of a man is infinite. The question is what shall we do with the daylight that remains? Alright, here we go again. Another book review. Today we're talking about Peaks and Valleys, written by Spencer Johnson. This uh, subtitle is Making Good and Bad Times Work for You at Work and in Life. Spencer Johnson, he has, uh, he's written 11 international best-selling books. Uh, a few of them are Who Moved My Cheese? An Amazing Way to Deal with Change. The One Minute Manager, and of course, here we're talking Peaks and Valleys. He's written many others, uh, so he's he's made a name for himself in the book industry. Uh, most of the books, at least the few that I've read, are very short, kind of story-type, parable-ish books where it, it uh, tells a story and gives you some key insights and points to, to apply to your real daily living. So... Um, I've enjoyed his book. So I'm going to get into this one here in just a second. But first, I want to ask you guys a favor. I need your help. We need some uh, additional reviews for this podcast. We need to share this to expand to a greater audience. So please jump in uh, into whatever place you're listening to this and give it a like, give it a review, um, share the content so we can reach more people. I would very much appreciate that. All right, so back to the book, Peaks and Valley. So the setting here is, as it begins is basically somebody that's kind of going through a hard time in life. And they reach out to a friend who then tells them this story. And they be, begin the story by saying, like, if I share this with you, you got to share it with others once you've learned, right? And so that's sort of how it begins and ends, like share the story. And so they begin talking about this young man who, you know, lived in this valley, had a pretty typical life, it seems. And then uh, he's having some frustration and some hard times. He doesn't think that the people around him are going places. He thinks there's more for him. And eventually, he, you know, he keeps looking up on this mountain and thinking, I wonder what life might be like up there. And when he talks about going up there, people express a bit of concern. They're wondering why, or you know, it might be dangerous, might be difficult. And um, he kind of ignores that and goes anyway. And when he gets up there, he's really wanting to see the sunset. Gets up there and he comes through the trees a little too late. And he says, dang, I missed it. And to his surprise, there's an older man sitting there. And he goes, missed what? I missed the sunset. And and then he goes, but did you see this? And he looks up, right? And he sees the stars and it's more beautiful than he's ever seen. And he describes it as a light show, right? And if you've ever seen stars in a, a very dark place or on a high mountain or something where there's no city lights obstructing the views, it's magnificent. So that's what he sees. So the older man gives him some words of wisdoms and, and as they're sitting there talking and he uses these peaks and valleys or mountains and valleys as um, an analogy for life. 
how we all go through ups and downs, right? Good times and bad times in every aspect of life, financially, at work, relationships, health, etc. right? Peaks and valleys. And so he sends this kid back down uh, on his way uh, with, with these words of wisdom. However, before he goes down, I want to jump into some of these things they talk about. So as this older man is kind of imparting some of his wisdom about the peaks and valleys, and the kid really wants to separate the two, right? One is sort of a hell on earth kind of thing, and the other is heaven. And um, the old man basically asks him, like, did you did you see a big divide there, you know? And the kid thinks about it for a second. He's like, oh, I get it. Because they're not divided, right? They're connected. And he says, who's to say where the highest part of the valley ends and the lowest part of the peak begins? The key is to understand not only that both physical peaks and valleys and personal peaks and valleys are connected, but also how they are connected, right? And so uh, our experiences in life, whether we're in a, a low spot or a high spot, they all run together, right? And one influences the other, one turns into the other, the lessons learned, the resources gained, etc., bleed into the next thing, right? Often it's a state of mind, whether you're in a peak, peak or a valley, sometimes it's financially, sometimes it's relationships or health, etc. And so how you respond in each situation is going to affect how long you stay in a peak or a valley, and uh, how quickly you can get out of a valley and how long you can maintain your spot on top, right? The young man says, I could be happy up here forever. The old man says, but you cannot. No one can stay in one place forever. Even if you remain physically in one spot, you are always moving in and out of the places in your heart. The secret is to truly appreciate and enjoy each time for what it is while you're living it. Later, he says, actually, the old man said, how you experience a valley has a lot to do with how long you remain in it. A useful way to think of peaks and valleys is this. Peaks are moments when you appreciate what you have. Valleys are moments when you long for what is missing. So how you respond and think about each situation changes the situation itself, right? So whether you're at work and things start to fall apart, as they talk about here in the book, uh, if you buy into that and go with the negativity and the downturn and all that stuff, well, you're, you know, you're basically buying in and creating a, a valley in your mind as well as in your workplace. But if you respond to that by asking a few questions and trying to understand what you can do to change the situation or help the situation, or if this is an opportunity for you to change completely and say, you know what? Spent my time here. I've learned my lessons. I'm going to take my talent and learning and knowledge and all that to another place or start my own business, et cetera, right? So a valley can be connected to a, your next peak in a lot of ways. And your response to the difficulty is key. Now, eventually, this young man has to go back down because he, uh, did not bring warm clothes and have enough supplies and things, right? So he says, the young man admitted he had not brought warm clothes. I guess I was in such a hurry to get out of the valley. I wasn't really thinking about what I needed to stay up here, right? So I think of that financially, especially. It's like 
people, um, they, they dream of what it'll, how good it'll be to be wealthy as if they can just spend money on everything. But in reality, as we will learn from other books, like for example, Everyday Millionaires, who I'm also I'm communicating with Chris Hogan to hopefully get him on the podcast soon. Um, Everyday Millionaires talks about how your average millionaire, you know, they they drive typical cars and live in standard houses and things like that. So most millionaires don't live that glam life that we imagine if only we were rich, right? But those people are millionaires because they live a sort of lifestyle that allows them to put money away into an investment account, into an emergency fund, into places that will grow wealth for them. They pay off their houses. They try and live debt-free. They don't buy unnecessary things. So they actually live quite humbly uh, despite the fact that they have a lot of money and that's what causes them to accumulate a lot of money. So, you know, your, your opinion, your perspective, your attitude, your preparation, all those things matter when we're talking about peaks and valleys. Okay. So they continue to discuss this idea of, you know, how to go through a valley and connect it to the peaks, things like that. So he says, if you do not learn in a valley, you can become bitter. If you truly learn something valuable, you can become better. I really like that saying. And that is true, right? Sometimes the hardest times are the best times to learn. I think of things like with relationships. When things get really hard, like in a marriage or something, and you're feeling like, man, this was a grievous mistake, which might be a bit strong for for most people. But um you know, you're thinking, I know Jim Gaffigan makes a joke about that. He's like, I don't care how, how good your marriage is, but there's been a point where you think, oh, this is a grievous mistake. That's where that came from. Anyway, so at that point where you're, th- you know, things are getting tough, uh, you can really make a decision. Are you going to figure out how to get help, find ways to learn lessons, improve your communication, improve the way you serve one another, improve the way you love each other in your new circumstances, not how you were when you were dating, right? Or are you going to just be angry about the new you and the new version of your spouse and that that's not who you married and things, right? People evolve. How are you going to get through that? How are you going to learn those lessons? You could become bitter, or you can become better and make it, you know, make it work and become even stronger as a couple, more in love. All right. So moving on, he says, resting. He uses a plateau as the analogy for a resting point. And um, basically that you could use that for two different ways. One is to just sort of check out. You're in a good enough spot that you don't need to improve. It's not that painful that you're motivated to get up, right? And so that is sort of a negative type of plateau. However, sometimes just taking a break, letting your mind rest, letting your, you know, think, you know, get creative. uh, Think about all the great things that you have. Think about your new vision. What's your next step? Those kinds of things can be useful on a plateau. And so when he's actually talking to the man again, the old man began to draw a line. The young man said, that looks like a tracing of a heartbeat. What do the ups and downs remind you of? 
They look like peaks and valleys. Yes, but what would this mean? This time he drew a straight line. The young man said, I think that would mean there is no heartbeat at all. Yes, a problem. Like a healthy heartbeat, your personal peaks and valleys are an essential part of a normal, healthy life. So are the plateaus. If they are times of healthy rest, when you take stock of what is happening and pause to think about what to do next. So skipping ahead just a touch, he says, still he wondered, how can it be healthy to have ups and downs? How can that be peaceful? Don't all the highs and lows make you feel anxious and stressed out? The old man answered, only if you go up and down with them. Once you truly learn to manage your good and bad times, you gain a sense of healthy balance. But how, the young man asked, to begin with, you become more peaceful once you realize that you are not your peaks, your good times, and you are not your valleys, your bad times. Then you will no longer feel like you are on an emotional roller coaster. Peaks and valleys are not somebody's identity. They can become a part of who you are, right? As you navigate life and continue to write your story and build upon those experiences, that that becomes a part of your identity, but it's not who you are. When you come into something difficult that doesn't define you as an entire person, right? And as you react positively to these things and learn from them, you become a better person, right? Uh, Stronger and things like that. As I often refer to what Jim Rohn once said, accumulated success or accumulated disaster. The more of these peaks and valleys that you go through and learn from, the more you can look back on this history of experience and, and see your accumulation of success, right? He says, you can have fewer bad times when you appreciate and manage your good times wisely. Those who are unprepared for a peak soon fall from it and they experience pain. He goes on to say that it's it's often your ego that will sort of bring you down from a peak. It also makes it more painful in a valley. And as I was thinking of that, you know, a lot of times you're uh, when you're on top, of course, it's easy to become boastful. My wife and I were talking about this today that um, what we've heard celebrities and, and musicians and things say about being wealthy and famous and how it it sort of removes you from some of the typical struggles that people face. And it's not that these people are trying to be prideful or arrogant or whatever, but they're kind of removed from some of those things. They can literally pay people to take care of a lot of the headaches that we all live with, right? But then they gain other headaches, which can also contribute to a, a big a big head, right? Um, so it can be difficult to to stay humble on top. And, and of course, I'm talking about celebrity. That might be beyond what but most people experience on peaks, but um, in any case, you can become a bit arrogant and prideful uh, more easily, right? Uh, and when you're in those lows, your ego also makes you want to hide or you might perceive things as worse, right? You become what we call a Karen these days. Like you think you you should have this privilege, but you don't have this privilege. You start using the word of, of what's fair and and so it's interesting, right? Your your ego could keep you from letting people know you need help. It could cause you to react poorly, all kinds of things that could make an, a valley worse than it needs to be. So what he says is the most common reason you leave a peak too soon is arrogance, masquerading as confidence. Uh, 
The most common reason you stay in a valley too long is fear, masquerading as comfort. Okay, skipping to a section he calls discovering. Why does it have to be this way, the young man muttered. Aren't we supposed to be happy in life? Why do we need valleys at all? His feet were soaked and he felt chilled to the bone. He was miserable. He said through clenched teeth, one day I'll look back on this and laugh. He thought about what he'd said and then added, why wait until later? Why not laugh at it now? And I've often uh, sort of laughed my way through life as well and and uh, tried to essentially look at life as a journey, right? And and as uh, David Goggins here up on my wall says, like, the more you know, shit that happens, the better the story. Right. And, uh, it's, it's true. It's like, you know what, you're going through a tough time and, you know, things get worse for a moment or two. It's like, you know what, you might as well just laugh, have a bit of, uh, you know, self-deprecating humor there and go, it's not going to last forever. Eventually I'll get out of this, but this is ironic and horrible. And, you know, Take a moment to look at it. What's the truth? You're not going to be there forever, right? It's just a moment. It's just an experience. Try and laugh at it. Try and enjoy it and say, you know what? This makes the story better. (laughs) The pain in a valley can wake you up to a truth you have been ignoring. I thought that was interesting. Much like my example of a relationship that's changing and developing and now it becomes difficult because you're, you know, you're not the same. Your spouse is not the same. It's like, well, what's, ne- what's the new truth, right? And it can wake you up and you start seeking out wisdom, help, support, change, a new identity, a new, a new truth. Find that truth, right? So he gives this um, young man advice about how to cross the valley because as they were sitting on top of one peak, he looked over and saw a peak that was even higher. And he was like, I want to, you know, I wonder what that one's like. But of course, between the two peaks was this big valley. And so he journeyed through it. And that's what you heard a minute ago. And his feet were soaked and all that. It was very miserable getting through this valley. It was deeper than he thought. There were more challenges than he had anticipated, right? And so in preparation for that, the the older man basically told him that you need to have a sensible vision of what it's like up there. And that will help you drive through this valley despite the difficulties that you're about to face, right? And so here's what he has to say about that. He says, then he thought about what the old man had said about getting to your next peak by creating and following a sensible vision, a picture of a better future that makes sense and that you draw on all five of your senses to imagine. He realized that just moments ago, he had been creating a fearful vision, an image of himself drowning as he was being pulled into the river. The old man had never talked about a fearful vision, but that was exactly what the young man had been seeing. Maybe you're always creating a vision of your future, he thought, whether you are aware of it or not, either a fearful vision or a sensible vision. And it's just a question of which vision you follow. I thought that was insightful. You know, we we walk through life basically projecting our own vision into the world and when you're in a high spot or a motivated place or, you know, things seem to be in a flow state, it's like you're, you're imagining the bright future. <laughs> but then sometimes you hit a few 
a few walls, barriers, some shit happens, and suddenly you start projecting a fearful negative vision without realizing it. So that's one thing that I I found very intriguing about this was hmm, maybe we are projecting these visions out there and we need to be more aware of what that what we're telling the universe or telling ourselves about what's about to happen. Now the kids becoming wise, right? He's trekked some of these things, he's learned a few things. He's back with the old man again. And they're talking. And he says, the old man said, you've learned some humility. I'm glad you have because now you're more likely to remain on peaks longer. The young man just grinned. The old man said, do you remember telling me when we first met how unhappy you felt living in your valley and how nothing seemed to be working for you there? Yes, the young man said, a little embarrassed. That was because I did not appreciate that my valley was an opportunity for me to grow, to create something better in my life. I was just trying to escape my valley, not learn from it. Now, you know, maybe this is very true for a lot of teenagers in their current circumstances. They want to kind of escape, you know, the the umbrella of their parents or the environment they grew up in or whatever. They may have conflicts. They may have bigger dreams. But what he realized is that it wasn't about escaping. He should have been looking at it as a learning opportunity and that every valley is like that. But when you focus on the negative so intensely, um, you miss out on a lot of the lessons. And you also may realize later in life that while maybe not everything in the valley is for you, there's a lot of good stuff there, right? And as the story comes to a close, he, he realizes how wise his own father is living down in the valley and what opportunities exist in the valley and that it's a very uh, productive land and all these different things that are positive about the valley. And, And when he's up on the mountain, he can't wait to get back home and see his people, right? And so the valley itself could be a peak depending on the perspective he has. So to sum up his wisdom here, he says, to stay on a peak longer, be humble and grateful. Do more of what got you there. Keep making things better. Do more for others. Save resources for your upcoming valleys. You know that it's coming, right? Life is up and down in many ways in different areas. So save your resources. Be prepared. Um, it's, It's better to have resources when shit hits the fan than to have lived super large and have nothing when shit hits the fan. So, so the last thing from the book that I want to share is that, you know, the old man died, the, the young man is now older and wiser and living his life from a new perspective. And he says, the man realized that what counted was not where a person lived, but how a person lived. It did not matter whether it was in a fertile valley like his parents or on a magnificent peak like the old man. Now he lived what he knew that a joyful, rich life is a naturally changing landscape of peaks and valleys. At last, he felt that he was not only on a peaceful journey, but that even before he reached his destination, he had already arrived. So, a very interesting story of peaks and valleys in our lives. How, uh, you know, the way you go through either one, a peak or a valley, very much affects the next step. 
what you learn in a valley, what resources you accumulate and protect, put aside in a, in a peak, um, the opportunities that present themselves in each circumstance certainly influence the next. So uh, a neat book, good ideas. Um, some, some of life's wisdom is really captured in just a short, uh, you know, hundred pages here. So I will put the link in the show notes so that you can purchase your copy of peaks and valleys from Amazon. I appreciate you guys listening. If you have gotten any value from this podcast, please go give it a review, subscribe, and uh, help us reach a, a broader audience by sharing this content. And again, appreciate you guys. We'll catch you on the next one. Hey, thanks for listening to the entire episode. As a token of gratitude, I want to give you a discount on my book, Ingrained. Head over to bronsonwilkes.com store and download Ingrained for less than a dollar with the coupon code GOALS, G-O-A-L-S.